Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. 
for this hour, we're going to be having another amazing conversation, unpacking another genius key and other ways of uh, of uncovering our inner genius and becoming the, the best version of ourselves. And uh, today we're talking about the eight reasons why you may not be ready for a mentor. Uh, we are, of course, here with the, the, the mentor to the stars and so many, the one and only the great Amelia Antonetti. Uh, we, of course, invite you to click on that link up above, uh, order the book, join the program, join the community. Um, and it's so important to do that. While I do have the mic, though, I'm also going to invite you to share this room out to your hallway so that the people that follow you can also see you and join uh, join in for those on Clubhouse. Of course, we are streaming on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And if you'd like to join us on YouTube, you can just uh, put in the hashtag, get up the letter N grow. You can find that on if you click on my picture, see my name, get up and grow on YouTube. And you can uh, follow along with us uh, visually. And Amelia, I know that you're having some tech issues this morning with your with connecting to uh, to Restream, but if you just go on there, it doesn't matter uh, if your audio is coming through well enough on uh, Restream, it will be coming through uh, yeah, Clubhouse. I, I, so I've we'll got be able to see your smiling face and hear you. Thank you. I just anyway. brought tech in right now. So they are working on it while right. I'm talking. They're doing that. And so I will hopefully pop in here shortly, whether my audio or not my audio, but just give them a minute as they're working on it. So let's Perfect. lean in this morning. There's two really big things that I'd love to address um, as, and I thank you for so many people now that are actually chiming in um, with thoughts and questions and concerns and uh, directive guides, like, do I do this or do I do that? So thank you for the interactive, because the more that you can ask me questions about what it is that's going on in your life, the faster I can get in with a behavior modification tool or one of the awarenesses that basically uh, people jump over. So there's two really, I want to get into absolutely the eight reasons why you're probably not ready for a mentor. But before I do that, I really want to address um, a lot of the comments that have come in over the last 120 hours about uh, people that are taking their kids to college, right? I got a lot, a lot, a lot of people that are that their first ones uh, or second ones are going off to college. Um, the the transition between um, you know our parenthood and, and transitioning as we're raising adults. Um, this is a big thing. This is a big thing for parents. It's a big thing for the child who's now a young adult, uh, a lot going on. And so I know Tony that you also, uh, you're, you're in the midst of this too. So is Patricia. Um, just a whole bunch of people are, uh, this is the, the new, uh, kind of transition in their life. And I'd love to be able to touch on this before we get into the eight reasons why you're not ready for a mentor. Um, because it is a huge, huge opportunity for growth for you as an individual. You know, at, notoriously, people make massive behavioral changes when there's life events, meaning that, you know, when you graduate from college, life event. When you get married, life event. When you have a baby, life event. And when your babies start to go to college, another life event. And so I want to be able to uh, help people right now to adopt some new behaviors as this transition is happening because it has the longevity for major impact. That was a mouthful. Yeah, and you know, you're right, and it is such a big transition. Uh, for those of you who may be watching on video as well, I've actually got a baseball cap on today with a, with a, a university, a Colorado Boulder. My son just went, um, we just dropped him off uh, and a couple of days ago, two days ago, and it was, it's bittersweet. You know, you want to see your, your children go out and spread their wings, yet um, he'd never been away from us for more than a day or two, and it's, it's, it's one heck of a transition for not just for him, but for, for us as parents, you know, to walk by the empty room, to 
you know, go to wake your kids and there's only one there. And yeah, it's uh, definitely a hell of a roller coaster, but it, it's, it's, it's part of that, that, uh, that growth that, um, well, it's, that we it, all it's go the, through. Right. It's the changing of the dynamics of the family unit. Um, and there's a lot of behavior work around this, right? So when the core family unit changes, whether that's uh, separation, divorce, a new baby, um, um, or one of the children leaving to embark on their journey, it dramatically not only changes the parents, it changes the second child, right? When you go back and work on behavior um, threat, like the threat of behaviors like say, where things happened, so many times when I'm working with clients who is are not the eldest, right, who are the second child, they attach a lot of memories to this time because the focus was so much on the older child, the second child wasn't left with the tools they needed for, 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 the, for the change of their best friend, right? Or the positioning of now the second child becomes the oldest child in the home. All of this stuff, all of this stuff requires new wiring, new behaviors, new discussions, new support tools as the changing of the guard in the house uh, changes. And so um, a lot of abandonment issues happen right here while the oldest one leaves and the second one is left behind. They're actually in abandonment. Um, and again, because parents are so focused on their own uh, change of the loss of the older one, because that's what you actually start to feel, missing, loss, right? Confusion, all that changing of it. Um, the second one oftentimes is floundering uh, without the support of the parents that they normally have because of the strange and the, and the structure of the unit. So I just wanted to open that up for a moment because I know that so many of us um, are going through that. And when I say go through that us, my, my son's 28. So I remember this like it was yesterday um, going through this transition. Um, and then I have a 15 year old, which is now on the second year of her high school. Of her high school. I got you. I got you, Amelia. I muted you, Mike. But thank you. She just joined us on camera, everybody. So I did put the link in the comments uh, to the YouTube channel. Uh, and Amelia, you, what you're saying, it's, it's kind of hit me right between the eyes because, uh, as you know, I've got a 16-year-old at home and uh, my boys are thick as thieves, especially over the last two years where, you know, they're, they're limited interaction, at least until, you know, 2020 and 2021, limited interaction. So they got even closer together. Um, and now, now he's by himself and, you know, his brother, as, as we were leaving says, well, congratulations, Matt. Now you get to do all the chores. Uh, so, right. but right. yeah, but it is a transition and it was difficult for him. He had his breakdown as well, um, when we were leaving and it's, it's, listen, it's just a, another phase of life that we've all got to grow through what we're going through. Right. And, right. but yeah, so this is well, a great topic. To Thank you for touching it today. Right. You have to remember. So in your scenario, but a lot of people's scenario you adopt different behaviors when you're the middle or the baby child, right? Because you don't even realize subconsciously you're reliant on the oldest child, right? You are. You you tend to so allow true. the oldest to take more risk. You uh, you have the benefit of having experience coming down, not from your parents, but you also have a closer adult kind of whatever. Now, because your oldest is gone, the second never developed those tools. They don't, they don't have those tools. He, he knows how to be the second child. So where is the tools for him to learn to lean in 
to be the first child now, right? And so when we throw kids into scenarios, when we throw anybody into a scenario that doesn't have the tools, right? So when, and I heard um, uh, uh, Ramon, Scott and Adam touch on this in their conversation um, when they asked the question, and I'm sure somebody in the back chat will, will quote it for me exactly. They were saying, what do you do when there is a highly emotionally charged conversation. I think what they were referring to is something's going on in their own business. It's a charged conversation. And as a behaviorist, what I wanted to lean in right now to address that is what are the steps, right? So when you are ever finding yourself in a conversation that is emotionally charged, it doesn't mean that there's opposing sides. It just means that the emotion is a little bit higher um, than normal, right? So you're out of your normal banter routine and you are triggered in some way, which means if you are triggered 99% of the time, the other person is also triggered. Not always, but in most cases they are. So here are the three steps and hopefully uh, you guys will chitter chatter in the background to tell me if this actually helps. So the very first thing when a conversation like this happens that must be done is that you have to call out, right, with your words, what is happening. And the reason why I say that is because as a behaviorist, what we know is what you think is happening is not what the other person thinks is happening, right? And so in just this scenario, right, somebody in the family unit may feel like what's happening is you're leaving me. That's what they may feel. Remember, your feelings are right and just. Your feelings are real for you. Another person in the same scenario may be excited because they believe they're growing, right? Same scenario, two very different perspectives, right? Another, buddy, another person in the same unit, right, may feel radically confused, right? So starting anything that's triggered with, hey, listen, I can feel there's change or I can feel something is happening. I just, for the record, want to state, here is what I'm thinking is happening. I think you're leaving. And for them to go, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. That's not what I'm doing, right? I'm embarking on a new adventure. I am whatever. You have to first, step one, clarify what you think is happening. Step two is to identify how you are feeling. So again, I'm just going to pretend Tony and I are married for a second. I'll be like, hey, listen, I feel like my oldest is leaving. And I'm feeling right now very confused, very hurt. And I really don't know Right? I have to identify how I'm feeling because again, in the same scenario, and we heard it when the guys were talking, right? One person was feeling angry and I'm telling the other person, right? Feels unseen, unheard, unjustified. So if you state what's happening and then state how you're feeling, you're now leaning into your responsibility and, and energy into the situation. And it's also bringing clarity, right? Because Tony is going to approach me different if I say to him, hey, listen, I'm feeling abandoned and I'm really scared right now versus I go, oh my God, I'm so excited. Our child is now going on to this new adventure and I'm feeling super excited, right? His response is gonna be different because I clarified two very key points. And then the last point that you have to then lean light into um, is to identify for yourself um, 
what the approach is, right? So if you say to somebody, hey, this is the situation, this is actually how I'm feeling, um, and then here is what we're going to do about it. Now you're, you have wrapped, those three steps have wrapped for anybody jumping all the way into uncertainty because you, those three steps squash uncertainty. Now I know what's happening for Tony. Tony knows what's happening for me. I know how Tony's feeling. Tony knows how I'm feeling. And we agree we're going to move through this together. Or we agree we're going to evaluate by asking the other children how they're feeling. I know what the next step is. And if you can do those three things, you have set the foundation for success. What normally happens when somebody is triggered is it becomes a tug of war right? I pull on my side, he pulls on his side, I'm pulling on my side because we're defending ourselves. We're defending our position because we think we have to win when we're triggered, right? It, it triggers com competition. It triggers, I'm, I'm valuable and, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm worthy and I'm all these things. And so I start defending my position. And in so many times when I'm working with families, what I teach them to do is to energetically let go of the rope. Let go of the rope. Don't keep pulling on the rope because there's no fight here, right? Remember, you cannot fight if you don't participate. And we don't learn the skill of letting go of the rope. The way behaviorally you let go of the rope is you take a pause for yourself, just take a deep breath, get out of you and inquire step one what is happening for you what are you feeling what do you think the next three steps are that means i have let go of the rope versus me going oh my god i'm freaking out i can't believe he's leaving like that that is me pulling on the rope and so i'm hoping that people who are listening right now actually lock in to what i'm saying about letting go of the rope and leaning into this three steps. So before we go into mentorship, was that helpful for anybody who is listening? Raise your hand if you're looking to come on stage. Wow. Again, I'm your behaviorist, and so I'm here to answer and help and give you a tool. Yes, well, Tony, since this I'll is your say, life. <laughs> I'll say yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going through it right now, and it's, it's funny, a couple of things that you said. Number one, you know, the challenge with that is, like we go through, I go through excitement. I'm so excited for him. What a heck of an adventure. We were there. It's a school of 33,000 students at an absolutely beautiful campus on the base of, uh, of the Rocky Mountains. It's a gorgeous place and I'm super excited for him. So I, you know, and then I walk by his room and I'm think I start thinking, okay, he's not here. And then you kind of go back to the other part of your, you're losing him. But I think that the biggest thing that we all need to talk about is focus, right? It's where focus goes, energy flows. So if you focus on the excitement of the adventure and 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 the future, bright future ahead of him, the fun he's going to have, then you're going to feel better. If you focus on the fact that he's not here and you start to lament the fact that he's not there, then you're going to have a much different experience. But I love your but analogy of the rope. Tony. And I will tell you for, you know, there's, there's four major quadrants, right? of behavior that dictates part of what your genius is. Um, and, and again, if you're interested, just please just go to the link at top and it's going to really go through that. So if there's four, that means 25% of the world have the ability to approach excitement, right? You specifically, Tony, can get excited about the wind blowing, right? You have a magic ability 
to get excited about anything, <laughs> right? That's your gift. I will tell you 75% of the people listening right now, excitement is not one of the first 10 emotions that they feel. And so to ask somebody to feel excited, to be able to use that as a shift, most people can't access it because excitement lives behind certainty. I can get excited if I'm certain I'm not going to fall apart. I can get excited, right? If I'm certain you're not leaving or that I'm still going to have the love of my, like until I get some of those pillars in place, I am nowhere near excitement, nowhere near it. And because you can toggle, again, you're a little bit more emotionally developed than other people. You can toggle between walking down that hallway and feeling grief because that's what it is when you see an empty room and then pull yourself back into a behavior of feeling incitement. Most people who are listening can't do that. They can't. They feel the grief. They feel the grief. And what happens next is self-medicating. I feel grief. And now you're going to medicate with, you know, I'm going to eat ice cream. I'm going to overwork out. I'm going to put my head into another project. I'm going to isolate. We go into our self-medicating. That's why when we talk about designing genius, why it's so important for people, because you have to understand what your go-tos are when you self-medicate. Most people's behavior are self-medicating and they don't even realize it's self-medicating because they're thinking like, well, I don't drink and I don't do drugs, so therefore I don't have an addiction. Oh, no, 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 no. We all have our go-to addiction. We all have one and and you have to understand what it is. Yeah, and oftentimes you create, like right now when a kid leaves for college, you know, there's a gap that's created. In psychology, it's a scotoma, right? It's a bit of a scotoma. There's something that is no longer there. So we automatically backfill that emotion, that need for whatever it is. And oftentimes we backfill it with things that don't serve us. So it's a really important distinction to make is that when you have that opening, uh, make sure that you're filling it with something positive and you're just not in a, in a negative way. And by the way, I'm getting uh, messages that are that are sound is staticky. I don't, I'm not sure why, so I apologize for anyone that's uh, listening. Whether I, I think we're coming in clear on Clubhouse, but on Facebook and YouTube, we seem to be a little crackly, so I apologize for that. I do want to touch base on one thing that you said is of letting go of the rope, and I think so many people have seen the graphic right on Facebook or, or a post where it's three images of, of somebody, just a hand holding a rope. And the, on the first image... The, whole, the rope is red on the second one, it's bleeding. And then on the third one, when you let go, you know, you start to heal because the reality is sometimes holding on hurts a lot more than letting go. I'm gonna say that again, it hurts more to hang on than it does to let go. Sometimes we just need to let go of the negative emotion, that, that negative thing that happened, that negative feeling um, because it's hurting you, right? The sooner you let things go, because it's life, it's part of the journey of life. The sooner we let things go, the sooner we heal, the sooner we get to that next level wherever it is we're getting to emotionally, spiritually, mentally, whatever, whatever that is. So just want to touch base on that. Let go of the rope. I and love I, that and I will tell you that most people do not get the opportunity to learn that skill, right? Letting go, releasing all of that um, is a learned practice. If, if you are waiting for yourself to magically get this skill i am i am sad to say we are hardwired as humans in the opposite energy we are wired to hold on you have to learn how to let go right and so again whether you're a visual and auditory or kinesthetic learner again i don't know but if you go through the designing genius you're going to find out about that most people have this wrong 
Uh, same thing too about introvert and extrovert. Most people have that wrong. Um, the step-to-step -step process is really gonna give you clarity for where you are now in your thought state today because you're not the same person that you were a year ago. And so when you are learning the practice of letting go and understanding how you imprint currently today, then allows us to give you the right behavioral tool into practice letting go. Because most people are so engaged in a uh, trigger conversation, letting go seems like dying, right? Because it's a survival mechanism. You're asking me to let go right. and I feel like I'm slipping down the slope. So you're fighting your own instinct. And what I tell people is this is the same thing for professional fighters or people who are in MMA. If you think about the skill that they've acquired is that a human, if I go to punch you, you're going to defend yourself by pulling back. It's a nat a baby, right? Already knows, pull back. And so people who take on a role of physical, right? Military has to do this, right? Boxers, MMA, they've actually developed a skill that when they see attack, they lean in versus lean out. Um, huge, huge amount of work to trigger that opposite instinct because it's so hardwired in us. Well, the same thing too, in a conversation where you're triggered, your first line of defense is to protect yourself. And the way we've learned to protect ourselves is to close up and pull in, pull to our side and strengthen ourselves to defend our position. That's also when you have that instinct is where you disengage from everybody around you. You no longer have presence and awareness because you've disengaged to isolate, to defend, right? It's an act of war, right? right? And so these are all <laughs> behavior things I'm trying to share with you so I can land some nuggets. Whoever said that they self-medicate with ice cream, you are my best friend because so do I. Yeah, um, me too. Ice cream and I are, have a law. I don't say this is healthy. I know everybody who's in health and fitness is like, Amelia, don't even say that. But it is, right? So I know when I start fantasizing about coffee ice cream, um, I'm probably in a triggered state because it is a very well-developed go-to tool for me, right? When I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling not worthy or I'm feeling whatever, I look to, I'm, I'm Italian. Right, I so look with, to food. I look. Yeah, for and food. with that, let just anybody that knows Amelia knows she doesn't mean ice cream. She's talking about gelato. That's right. <laughs> Even better yet. <laughs> so true. But to, to what to your point is that whole fight or flight. And somebody was commenting in the chat that sometimes giving up feels like surrender, or um, actually, what, uh, yeah, letting go feels like giving up. And the reality is sometimes we've got to let go in order for that. Like it, with, it, with with our kids, like I'm doing, I had to let go to see him fly, right? He's not going to fly if I'm always hanging on to him, right? Or her or whoever it is that, that you've got going off to college. So letting go does not mean giving up. Just like forgiving doesn't mean doesn't mean it's okay whatever happened. Letting go is a part of, you know, of, you know there's that saying that says, let go, let God, right? If you're, whether you're religious or spiritual, whatever it is, because you can also let universe, right? It doesn't have to be God, replace it with whatever you want. But sometimes we just have to have faith, right? We talk about this often, faith over fear, right? Faith, uh, faith and fear both demand you believe in something you can't see, right? So choose faith over fear. Choose to believe that everything's going to be okay instead of Tony, things who, going who backwards. Asked that I have question. a quick question. Who asked that question? Uh, the question... 
the original question, so um, it was Jessica Powers that mentioned letting go could feel like giving up. But the original question uh, came from Heather Wells uh, about letting go. Um, I have a quick question to you question. and so Tony. Heather, if you're, um, if you're, you're if I can. Yes, your please. Question. I don't even know who's talking now. Me neither. It's Shantae. It's Shantae. I had a quick question. To to... I'm looking. I'm like, I can't find the little <laughs> circle dot. I can't find the circle dot. Good morning. Good morning. I just had a quick question about the letting go. And Tony, it literally just came on my street. So the process of letting go, like from that teen years to the young adult years, like I realized I took the advice and it's working, but a part of me feels sad. And I'm wondering, like, is there a process to letting go? Cause I don't feel like I fully let go of the image and dreams I had of my daughter and that time period of her being a child versus now being a young adult. So how is letting go a process or What's your advice along that? Because I am struggling with it a bit. Yeah, awesome. It's a beautiful question. So the first thing you want to think about, right? Again, I always say, get to your happy place, right? You know, for me, walking in that nature is where I can be the most vulnerable with myself. So if you have not already created a behavioral tool in your life for what I call your happy spot, but it's just, it's, it, it, you have to have a defined area. Uh, they used to call it the thinking rock right? A place that you go where you can be very vulnerable with yourself. I highly encourage that this place is away from stimulation, meaning false light, sound, all that kind of try to get yourself in your So one, let that become your habit, create a happy place or your thinking rock. And two is to be able to go through, yes, it is a process. Letting go is a process. So the first part of the process is identifying what are you letting go of? What are you really letting go of? Because you are never letting go of the person before you, right? What you see before you is not what's happening. That's why I keep saying what you think is happening is not what's happening. Um, I'm gonna, I swear, before you guys throw dirt on me, I'm going to drive that point home. So right now, it's easy for your brain to go, well, what's happening is I'm letting go of my daughter. No, you are not. That's not what's happening. What's happening is you are letting go of the dreams the pictures, everything that you created as you raised her. Remember, we start dreaming about the life of our child, for women anyway, while we're pregnant, right? And for men, they usually chime in on this dream after there's evidence of being pregnant, right? So men need evidence before they really start to connect. Whoa, there's a baby in there, right? But for women, we start to feel different way before we show. And we start creating the life we wish for our children. And in the creation over those 18 years, we have emotionally connected, not with the child itself, with the dream of the child. So now what is happening is you are getting physical evidence. She's leaving. What is triggering all of these stories that you created for and about her. And so the loss is attached. Hang on to this now, people. The loss that you're feeling is attached to something that never existed. It's not real. This is what's happening when you break up or you get divorced, right? You, the loss is not of the person because you've already started the process to identify that that person 
is no longer in alignment of where you really want to go. And so the loss is about the dream of what you thought the life was going to be. It's about the dream of what you thought he was and he's not. And so when you start to realize that the pain that you're feeling is from something that you created that isn't real, you can then start this journey because what you do is when you feel the trigger, so let's, I'm gonna pretend here for a second and, and, and please chime in because it's a real situation for you. You know, you had the vision of her walking on the stage to graduate from college and now your daughter's telling you she wants to be an artist. And so you're really mourning the vision of her walking across college stage when she's chosen something else. So what you do in that transition is to remember your brain has to let go and replace at the same time or it will never let go. So you're letting go of one dream and image, which is not real and holding on to something that is. So for, for, for just that example, I'm letting go of the vision of her walking across stage and I'm creating a new vision of her debut at the museum of her art. I'm just making that up. Right, you've got to trade the visions in order for you to move so you start healing into the reality of something that is more real than what you created. Um, are you still there? Can you chime in? I know you're probably working out or doing 10 other things, but I want to be able to connect with you for, for you to understand why you're feeling what you're feeling and what the behavioral tool is to swap out the make-believeness that you created. Yeah, like, so for me, I guess, I was, I realized a part of it has been control, letting go of that fully in my own head, as well as what she do career-wise. She's always dreamed of being like this pastry chef. And now that she shifted, she graduated, you know, from hospitality school, but she wants to own a bakery more so versus like being this food network, you know, extraordinaire. And I think in my mind, that's what I had imagined and saw her doing. And so, you know, there's a little sadness in, you know, I know it's not right, but it's it's the truth of what I've been experiencing. Yeah, but can... it, but it is right. But but it is right because you're a parent. So it is that is correct. You're protecting your child. So when you say the word control, right? Here's what's underneath that thought, right? You created a solution to a problem that you believe exists. So the problem is if she is going to do a non-traditional job. I mean, she's not a doctor, a lawyer, or MBA, because our marketing did that for us. She's not choosing what is safe and secure, right? And she's choosing an alternative career. And you think if you help control that, she's going to be safe. That's really what's going on. What's really going on is you're triggered in your protection, your nurturing, right, of your daughter, because you believe with what she's choosing puts her at higher risk. That's what's happening. And so now, because she's moving farther into this uncertainty from your point of view, that's what you're really wrestling, wrestling with. It has nothing to do with her, nothing to do with her. It's your trigger for what you believe is unsafe. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. This is why we were arguing during her graduation time over this issue of her not calling a friend with the visitor's convention bureau who was going to set her up in a nice, you know, position and connections and all of that and i realized that I, it wasn't about her it was about me right. my fear right and so here's how those here's how you pick up that conversation right so i'll be i'm gonna pretend to be you for just a moment and you're gonna go listen 
I really want to be supportive and I, I want all your dreams to come true. And in order for me to be able to support you, to use everything that I know about life, right? Here's something that I think I can give and here's something that I need. But before I go forward with my brain, can you validate for me that what I want to give you is what you want? And what I'm asking for you is something that you can give. And then get a, okay, I'm interested and I'm listening, right? So say, okay, I think what I can give you in this career path of being a pastry chef is I think I can give you, here's a contact, here's a, a part of the blueprint. And if you go this way versus that way, I think why it's going to be uh, create more margin for you or high, whatever it is that you think, right? To be able to say to her, here's what I think I can contribute for her to be able to go. Yeah, I don't even find that valuable. So I don't want that. And if she goes, I don't want that, then say, well, can you help me understand what you do think I can contribute to this and fact find until you guys come to alignment that maybe what you contribute is just being a sounding board, right? Doesn't matter what it is, but you got to get on the same page of the gift that you're giving so she accepts she's going to receive that. Now that you go, okay, my role here is I'm going to be the sounding board. You agree on that. Now you flip over to what you need, right? So now you say, now that I'm going to be your sounding board, here's what I need in return. It would be helpful for me to be your biggest cheerleader if I found out on a once a month checkup where you are on X, Y, and Z for her to go, oh, sure, I can give that for, you know, an up shirt, right? Now you have alignment of the value, right, that you're bringing and you validated she values it and willing to receive it. Because now in the next conversation, when you show up as her sounding board and she's not receiving what she said she was going to receive, you now have the ability to go, I, I might have misunderstood. I thought my role was as a sounding board and I'm trying to participate in that role and I'm not feeling like we are aligned. Is there something I could be doing better or are you, this is not a good time for you to receive, right? Because now you're acknowledging that the thing you agreed on needs some more tools, right? This is how you move away. If your child is older than 15, you need, you need as a parent, if they're older than 15, to move away from being the parent and adopt the mindset of a mentor. If they're older than 15 years old, you must engage in the practice of showing up as a mentor and no longer showing up in the parent role. And the reason why I say that is in human development, right around that age, they are going through the breakaway of the parents. That is what they're going through. They're supposed to be breaking away. And you have to take another energetic approach in order to exchange your knowledge to be received during that time, right? So that was a whole lot of information. Oh, I love it. Listen, and I agree with you 100%. But before I even make a comment to that, I'm just going to, because we're way past the bottom of the hour. It's 942. I just want to thank you again, everyone, for being here with the Breakfast with Champions with the one and only Amelia Antonetti uh, during the Designing Genius Hour. We, of course, are streaming on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. If anyone wants to join us there, uh, the, the, the link has been pinned or has been uh, put in the comment section several times. And to go, of course, if you're on, on any of those social media channels, please share this uh, share this this video, share this stream, share this link. And I'm asking that of everyone on Clubhouse as well. We've 
uh, we've, we've gotten quite a few more people than we started with this morning. So uh, we're grateful for that. But do share this information because this is how we can really change the world, make the impact in people's lives. Uh, because everything that Amelia is sharing here is is gold. So make sure you're sharing on Clubhouse. Hit that little to, we got a question in the chat. Yeah. So let me just finish up. Just uh, share this room to Clubhouse. Ping some people in. And before going to the question, I'm just going to say that one of the reasons that and one of the things that, again, I'm speaking to myself about myself, and I just want to give this to all the moms and dads out there as well, is sometimes it's just about forgiving, right? And even when we were just talking about now uh, with, with the, the, the person we were just sharing is, is we're so f sometimes fixated on our own dreams that we don't let them follow their own. And sometimes because maybe we gave up on our dreams or, or we had to take a different course of life, but forgiveness, and this goes to both, uh, both relationships that, that somebody else that Chris was commenting on Facebook and some other people were commenting. Sometimes it's about forgiveness and letting go. And you said something before, uh, people fall in love with the idea of the relationship, the idea of what it was they want. Perhaps they don't even love the person that they want to stay in the relationship, but they love the idea of the relationship. So sometimes it's really about forgiving the, the bad things that happened in the relationship or how you didn't show up in the relationship. And for me, especially as, I, as I'm letting go uh, and, and releasing and letting my son go out to li live his life, I can't help but ask myself is, did I do enough? I wish I had done more and perhaps forgiving myself for maybe not being or doing as much as I wish I could and should have perhaps um, and letting that go. And it's forgiveness of self and forgiveness of, of situations. So I just want to add that forgiveness piece into the conversation because that is huge for both relationships, letting go of your kids or letting them go. And yes, I love the fact that switch from being a parent to a mentor because Kids need mentorship more than somebody that's going to hold them back and restrict them. You can't do this. You can't do that. Just let them, again, let them go. And, and, and the best we can do is we're their guides, right? We're not, we don't own them. We're their guides. We're their sages. We're supposed to be the ones preparing them for the life ahead. And um, uh, listen, I'm hoping that I did my part and I'm hoping all of you did it as well. So with that said, going back to you, Amelia, and that question in the chat. Um, let me, I can't, uh, it's, I know Tara just sent it to me, and I can't read who yeah, it is from. Yeah, the chat is blowing up, so it's, it's, Kingstone. Hard. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of them, right? It's King, yeah, it's Kingstone. He said, Amelia Antonetti, my son is lost in the middle of letting go between his career and his gift. So I guess he's looking for help in determining what's the difference between, you know, letting go of his career path or actually choosing to tap into his gift. So, and I, that's a wonderful question, okay? Um, is he actually here? He is. I'm trying to bring him up to stage, but I okay. actually think he's at work and that's why he can't come. Oh, that's probably good. Okay. So here, so here's the thing. So your gift can appear many, 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 many different, different ways. And it sounds like he's a young person. And so when you're in your twenties, you still believe heavily in black and white thinking, right? Which means it's either, or either I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to go have a robotic type of career. They can only see either or because that part of their brain is still in development. A lot of people stay committed to black and white thinking through their entire life. It's either or. It's very, very damaging, right? Because life is not black and white, right? Because something is always happening and it's not what you think is happening, that is mastering the area of gray. So if you can lean in, right? And that's why I, I wonder what it is his gift is, right? So his gift may be something in the arts, 
And when you can harness what that actually is, and I'll give you some examples, and I'm sure none of this is accurate, but I just want to give the listener some, some, some knowledge nuggets. Steve Harvey, who was my client, his gift is not just the general of he's a comedian. His actual gift is taking situational, anything in this situation and making it funny. See, that's very specific. He has a craft of situational humor that's probably better than anybody else. And because we identified the actual talent, the genius, we were able to then take him off being a comedian tour and make him an amazing host doing exactly that. Artists, because we just say they're creative, is too general. What specific is it, right? So my daughter is a creative. Um, she happens to be a cosplayer, if anybody knows what that world is. And her specific gift is she takes characters that are notoriously male and creates the female image of that character, right? So part of her gift is the creativity of transition. So if you can help hone in, and I'm happy to help, hone in his craft, I'm making the assumption that it's a boy, hone in the craft and then help him understand in the mentor role how that applies as an asset for an operational position, a marketing position, a branding position, a content creation position, a logistic position, an admin position. All geniuses appear in all crafts. He said he's into artwork, Amelia. Say it again. He's into artwork. It's in the chat. He just posted it. Okay, awesome. So artwork. Okay, so what artwork really is is content. <laughs> That's what it really is, right? And so he absolutely can get a career on a content team. He can get a career on a marketing team. He can get a career on a social team, right? The, the skill he has exists in very traditional type companies because branding, marketing, and content has come front of stage. So you wanna help guide him into the department where his gift is going to be valued, seen, recognized, and implemented so that he learns the other skills around his genius. Does that make sense to the people who are listening, especially you, Tara? Tara, you are a creative and you've had to figure out how to take your creative and integrate it into a world where people can actually understand it, right? So yeah. all genius fits in traditional business. You just have to help them understand how it fits and to be able to get into the role that will get them as close as possible to it. Now that we're in the gig economy, for the first time in our lifetime, we have the ability to present ourselves outside of job descriptions because those are dying as the rise of the people business is increasing. That's a great question. I love that so much. I hope he uh, reaches out to me or, or DMs me or whatever chitty chatty way for us to connect because I think that's brilliant. And I think as parents, especially if you're parents that you're over 40, we didn't learn how to support the creative role, right? Creativity has been, art and music has been taken out of school, right? All of this stuff has been removed. And so when we have creatives, we don't know how to support them. Great question. So I think we have time for one, well, maybe two more. Who else has got questions in this space 
um, so that I can really kind of lend support, help, cheer, or something. Well, you know what I was thinking, Amelia, since uh, the mic went quiet there for, for a minute, I'm sure that there's a bunch of people wanting to get up on stage. You know, the topic of today was actually eight reasons you're not ready for a mentor. I don't know if you want to just touch on those yes. really quickly while uh, somebody maybe I do. queues so up. I, and, and again, we're going to circle back on this one for sure. But I, and for those people who follow me, I wrote uh, a LinkedIn article. So if you go to Designing Genius uh, in on LinkedIn, you're going to see the articles that we're posting about behavior several times a week. Because um, I am really committed to helping you solve problems differently, especially people problems. And so I listed out eight reasons why you're not ready for a mentor. Um, you know, as I'm in a lot of these very uh, strategic groups um, of, of people who have created billion dollar businesses and then some, um, what's interesting is how many times we have to say no when people ask for mentorship. Um, I do this on a daily basis. People are like, I need five minutes of your time. And the first thing that I do is I go look to see if they bought the book or bought the course. So how can you possibly want five minutes of my time if you haven't at least joined the mailing list, which costs you nothing, or at least bought the book? It tells me you're not really committed, right? You really just are saying, hi, Amelia, can I waste your time? Because I don't respect or value you. If you valued me, you would have bought the book because that is how you first exchange where you put me at, right, in our relationship. If, if you think that I have traveled a journey farther than you, then I'm asking you to honor and value that knowledge by purchasing the book, because that is where I look first. I look to see, okay, are they on the mailing list and have they purchased the book? And, in, and I will tell you, here's the hard, cold fact, right? 80% or better, the answer is no. It's mind boggling, mind boggling to me that the people who ask for my help are not following me. They never comment. They don't come to stage. They have not bought the book and they're not on the mailing list, which that just tells me you're just trying to create noise for no reason. It doesn't make any sense to me. But for those people who have actually leaned in, now you have my attention because you're saying, Amelia, I actually want and value what you have to say. And here's my situation. I am far more likely to jump into lean in with you because now you're part of our community. If you're part of the community, because that's how I'm wired as a CEO, I automatically feel responsibility. That's not on your side, that's on my side. That's just how Amelia is wired. The closer you get to me, the more I feel responsible. Technically, that's unhealthy, but that's just who I am. And so in doing this for stuff for, for you're not ready for a mentor, um, at least, and I'm gonna go through them really quickly, but I'm gonna dive into one that really, really seems to be a trigger every time I say it. So one is you're not ready for a mentor because you haven't released from the fact that you're right. So you spend your first three sessions with a mentor defending the reason why you are right. Well, then why are we having this conversation? If you're right, then you don't need a mentor. But if you think you could do something different, you must, you must release from the fact that there is another way. And the analogy that I give is that if you are a professional in sport, you do not go to training camp and when you get to camp, get in shape. Right. See, professional athletes are prepped before the coach and the mentor. You have to get yourself prepped, ready for the mentor. And so releasing. The second one is clarity. What, what do you think the problem is? Because, again, 
And a really good mentor, right? I can usually figure out what the problem is in less than 10 minutes. And what you think the problem is, is not what I think the problem is. And that's why you need a mentor, a mentor who already has a ton of receipts. They've done what it is that you're trying to do because we can identify how you have identified the wrong problem. And again, if you're trying to solve the wrong problem, that's part of the reason why you're stuck. And that's okay. We all have, I have, a, I have a, t a ton of mentors in my life for different things. Having a mentor does not mean you're weak. It actually means you're intelligent. Right now, choosing the mentor tells me the degree of your intelligence, right? Because a lot of people bring on mentors that actually have not accomplished what it is that they're looking to do. That makes no sense to me, but it happens every day. The second one is being able to respect the journey of the mentor. This is why I very boldly say, if you're not already following and engaging and have purchased the book, which is whatever, 25 bucks, whatever the heck it is. You're telling me you don't, you don't value me, right? You, you have to demonstrate, you have to go first. You have the problem. If you have the problem, you have to go first to say, I value what you have learned. In my case, my 35 year journey as a CEO employing 53,000 people with six exits. If you value that and you don't have to, but if you do, the way you tell me is by engaging. Um, I believe it is uh, uh, Scrap who has created something called Digital Currency. I think that that's the name of his book. Um, and he talks about digital currency for you is free. It's free. And so if somebody does not exchange digital currency, they're basically telling you they don't respect you, they don't value you. And so why would I start a conversation if you don't value me, right? So Digital Currency, I believe that's his book. He's all over Instagram and on YouTube. And I love his new book. The other one I really want to lean in before I turn over this is this is a big, big, big one. In order for you to be ready for a mentor, a real mentor, you have to understand the difference between teachable and being coachable. See, many people, many people are teachable. Many are teachable, which means I can teach you something you don't know. However, to be coachable means you think you know, and I'm going to show you another way, something different. Most people, teachable, not coachable. Coachable means you are okay with the journey of being wrong. The greatest leaders of all time, they don't like to be wrong, but they love when they're wrong. I love when I'm wrong because I'm growing. And so I am teachable, new skills, and I'm coachable on the skills I think I know. So I've got two minutes, chime in people before we say, hand it over. I'll just say that that's golden. A lot of people aren't coachable and you're so spot on. So when, before you go, and, and I, I'm just gonna touch on a couple of things that you, you said, absolutely respect comes from, again, if somebody asks me for advice or they ask me, you know, hey, listen, can I, can I jump in and have 15 minutes of your time? Again, it's important if they're engaged with me on social media, if they're watching, they're commenting, they're sharing these rooms. That's why we ask you to share these rooms because you can impact people's lives. And it's a show of, of respect and a show of, 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 
value to the person that you're speaking with. Um, and before they ask you for, 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 for advice, absolutely. Make sure that you're sharing that digital currency and stay teachable. Don't be like, well, yeah, I know. Well, if, if you tell somebody something that you point out and they say, I know, that's how you know they're not teachable and maybe it's time to cut the conversation short. So just be open to whatever else uh, is being said by that, that, that coach, by that mentor. And I think it's so epically important that everybody needs one. I know you've got several. I've got several. You're one of my mentors uh, as we continue to grow through this thing called life. So anyway, back to you, uh, Amelia. And again, just remind everybody, click the link above. Click the link above to make sure you're ordering that book. And remember, don't just stay for the next segment, which is going to be absolutely fabulous as it always is. Make sure that you're back with us again from 11 to 12 uh, because we will be back again. So back over to you, Amelia. Let's take one more question. I'm sure that the uh, the guys at that noon uh, I don't just think going a few minutes early. Yes. Over, rather. I don't think we have time for another question, but I do want to do some shout outs. I see Tony Moe here. Thank you very much. Rex, I see you chiming in here. Thank you very, very much. He and I had a great conversation. Dr. Sean. I love when Dr. Sean is here. Hopefully Dr. Sean is going to come back at 11. Hope you guys come back at 11. I'm going to turn. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.